You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers. With Renew Economy's editor, Giles Parkinson, and leading solar industry veteran, Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring, and SunWiz, the creators of the powerful PV cell software. Hello and welcome to this episode of Solar Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy and One Step Off the Grid and I'm joined by Nigel Morris, our normal co-host. Well, I wouldn't say normal, but um, normal. Uh, our regular co-host. Is that what I, is that what I am? <laughs> Solar, from Solar it's Analytics. Best been, um, it's the best thing I've been called all day, Giles. Well, you are in, you are in South Australia, so they're probably I looking at you slightly askance. <laughs> We'll talk about that. There's lots going on. Oh my gosh, <laughs> there is. Yeah, there is actually. Oh, look, I was just in South Australia a couple of days ago. Actually, last week went down, got a couple of things from the Adelaide Festival, which were really, really interesting, and mm-hmm. um, got a whole feast at um, of WOMAD, which was mm. fantastic. And um, look, I think my favourite was the John Butler Trio and um, a bunch of African and Gypsy music. But I did like First Dog on the Moon. Oh, yeah, they're um, great. The Guardian cartoonist talking about all the apocalypse which are coming our way, and um, it's hard to imagine a, a cartoonist on stage, but um, yes. he was actually very, very funny, and he had a huge crowd, and it was brilliant. So, <laughs> oh, good, yeah, yeah, it was really good. Now, um, you've just seen a giant tomato, or a giant tomato farm, or a giant tomato <laughs> solar powered farm, or a giant solar powered tomato farm. One of those oh, things, <laughs> amongst other things. Geez, we've been up in the north, uh, the north of South Australia uh, over the last couple of days. A colleague and I visiting, visiting some customers and talking to people about solar and uh, and monitoring, of course. And uh, yeah, we were very fortunate to get um, dragged around to a number of solar farms that are going in up there. There was one just outside on the edge of Port Pirie um, that our um, that our wonderful host Dan Deroga uh, took us to. Um, a five megawatt plant that um, turned uh, turned that that started construction of the solar component only four weeks ago, and four weeks later there's seventeen thousand panels um, mounted and um, and uh, plugged in and ready to ready to start the final connection stuff. Another four or five weeks and it'll be online. Yeah, um, lovely little there's five a, megawatt plant. There's a few plant. of those. There's a- yeah, there's a few little solar farms of that size going on around there, so that's uh, pretty interesting. Mm. It's amazing, mate. We, he he literally took us past two that are just on the edge of town, and sh- and then took us and said that block of lands next, and that block of lands next, and then we went over to um, uh, to Wyala uh, later on um, uh, this earlier this morning, I should say, and uh, blow me down if we aren't uh, I don't know ten fifteen k's out of Wyala, and um, in the distance I see this massive 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 glowing orb sticking up into the sky and I said to Dan that must be that bloody tomato farm and uh, sure enough it was Sundrop uh, which in in the morning sunshine was I must say an absolute gobsmacking sight to behold it really is something quite incredible Um, we couldn't get access internally unfortunately but we drove down to the gate and looked suspicious and hung around and took a few selfies and uh and watch this thing doing its magic and, and then drove around Wyala and talked about what's going on around there and there's more farms uh, going in around Wyala as well. So there's um, there's a bunch of really great entrepreneurial guys up around that neck of the woods just making this stuff happen. And you know the quote of the week, Giles, uh, one of these, uh, Dan said to us, he said, you know, Nige, 
Go back about eight or ten years ago, I'm just a dumb sparky. I could never imagine that I'd be standing next to a six megawatt solar farm that I played a key role in and I'm generating energy and selling it on the market. I could never have imagined it. Look at me now. And, uh, it's pretty impressive, isn't it? Yeah. It's amazing, mate. It's really and cool. Those, and, and those solar towers, they are quite stunning. Look, I saw one in, um, in Spain. Um, oh, God, the name of it just forgets me now. It's just down this Abengoa? No, not the Abengoa one. No, no it's um, mm. built by Senair, and right. um, um, it's 25 megawatts, and it's quite stunning. And we actually had a guided visit, and um, that was pretty impressive. And I remember catching the train from Seville to Cordoba, and the train line goes, sort of passes by about, probably about 30 or 40, 30 kilometres away, and you can see this thing in the distance, mm. and it was mesmerising. I just sort of spent the whole time with my nose stuck up against the train window, <laughs> just sort of staring at this beacon in the distance like it was some sort of call to, you know, call to the future or something. It was um, it was quite astonishing. And um, look, we actually went back, on the day after our guided visit, we actually went back and had a picnic outside. And um, it was just stunning just seeing this great big, as you say, this orb in the sky. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, and watching it go. So um, certainly more exciting than solar plants. I mean, I've been to see a really, really big <laughs> solar plant in, in California. I've got to say, once you've seen a couple of panels, um, you've kind of seen them all. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, look, it's great to go out and see, but um, they're not quite as, they don't have that sort of mesmerizing factor of a, uh, of a solar tower or even a wind farm because at least there's some moving parts in a wind farm and you can sort of see them turn over. And, and we saw and a bunch of them around. too. There, you, there you, well, you would have seen a bunch of them down there. Yeah, Absolutely. No, yes. there were, we saw two under construction and, and passed several that were already up, um, which, were, which were magnificent sights to behold. I don't care what anyone says. I think they're, I think they're incredibly graceful, wonderful-looking examples, and uh, certainly better than the the stink pipes coming out of the smelters and the and the old generators that we saw up around the rest of the parts of that country. Um, so well, with I'm, an attitude like that, Nigel, you're never going to be prime minister or treasurer in the coalition <laughs> government. That's all I can say. Clearly not. Clearly not. <laughs> and it's, it's interesting about South Australia too, because I remember going there last year, and there was still a bit sort of, you know, um, you know, you'd be worried about outages and all the sort of, you know, all that rhetoric round. And it's really interesting. You go there now, and no one even talks about it. No one actually says anything about it. Even the government doesn't talk much about it. But they're very quietly going ahead and just. Um, just allowing that transition to happen, and I actually sort of talked to a mm. couple of people from the um, from the energy minister's office, and um, and it was just really interesting getting their perspective. And they just sort of said, "Look, the original team that kind of sort of guided the Labor government through um, this whole transition is still there. They're perfectly comfortable with what the Liberal Party want to do, the Liberal government want to do, the um, Europe near Port Pirie and Wyana and Port Augusta, and that's the local electorate of the um, Energy Minister Dan Van Hoss Pelican, mm-hmm. and uh, who's the tallest Energy Minister in the world because he used to play basketball <laughs> professionally. And um, so many and, um, and and they're just they they know what's happening. They're getting more wind and solar farms. You've seen them under construction. They're yep. going to get to about 70, 75% wind and solar by probably within five five years. They're yep. probably going to get to the equivalent of 100% by, well, well before 2030. They're probably going to have a new interconnector going into New South Wales. They'll probably have a couple of pumped hydro projects happening, the Wyala one and maybe one other, depending whichever one sort of makes it count. Mm-hmm. And they'll say they've already said goodbye to coal and there'll be they wouldn't have said a complete goodbye to gas but I tell you what gas is not going to be generating very much according to the AEMO prognostications in its integrated system plan and it's just um 
it is just a remarkable thing because this is basically taking a modern economy and a modern grid and turning it into a renewable based grid and it's stunning it is it is and 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 you know yep. to see to see so much of this being done by entrepreneurial young solar guys who are not you know they're not mega corporations they're not they're not big energy companies they're people who can see that they can make it work they're thinking cleverly they're buying land in the right places they're near interconnectors they're finding finance people they're working out how to do it and they're doing it it's just mind-blowing and i we, we had a lot of conversations today visiting different people and then chatted with a few people on the phone as well who were also uh, either watching South Australia or getting ready to act in South Australia, and there's a bunch of people who are seeing the opportunities out there and going, "Yeah, we got one in the, we got one or two or three in the pipeline as well, and we've got planning approval for this five meg or this twenty meg or whatever." It's just going to happen if it keeps going like this. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing to see. Yeah, and there's batteries going up everywhere. There's the uh, Tesla big battery, of course, which uh, we've written a lot about on Renew Economy. There's the new Dalrymple North battery, which can take the um, York Peninsula off grid if there's a big sort of um, sort of outage elsewhere. Mm-hmm. There's the battery going in at the Lincoln Gap Wind Farm at the moment. There's the battery being built at the Lake Bonnie Wind Farm. There's um, a bunch of other pumped hydro st- storage projects, as I talked about. There's an even bigger solar thermal project north of Port Augusta, the Auroral project, which is like the solar reserve one now that's been held up because they um they are struggling to get finance so that's been a delay there Mm. um well look it's you know it's the first of its kind project in australia um Mm. it's you know they've got a contract from the government it's a little bit surprising that they've still struggling to get finance but look they had a few issues in california which they've obviously just got to walk the um finances through but anyway they're still confident that happening um, and plus, there's all the um, all the distributed storage. So you've got three, you've got um, you've got Sonnen, which um, has taken the old uh, part of the old Holden factory in Elizabeth and turning into a manufacturing plant, and has been bought out by, by Shell, which sees a huge future as being an energy provider and a storage provider and electric vehicles and everything. You've got two other battery manufacturers coming into South Australia. You've got um, three different. Um, Three different, well, three different really big um, virtual power plants um, happening now with all this sort of household storage going in under various incentives and, and loan schemes. Um, a bunch of other virtual power plants being trialled and, and rolled out. So um, mm. Mm. Um, pretty interesting stuff. And um, we've gone 10 minutes. We haven't even got on to our first topic yet, but there you go. <laughs> well, it's a good segue, really, because... Um, it was a great delight of mine the other week to just flip on Media Watch and hear your dulcet tones, uh, Giles. Um, great to see uh, Solar Insiders getting a getting a big shout out and a bit of a plug on Media Watch and and you uh, ranting um, about federal policy garbage on um, uh, on energy policy and you know um, it was um, it's great to see um, that message being. That, that, that call out being made left, right and centre about some of the garbage that we're seeing from the federal policy and then you get out on the ground, you get in a car and drive around, you see it, you see the real world out there of all these projects happening and you go, how out of touch are these guys, honestly? Absolutely, yeah. Do you think, should I have another rant? Maybe, maybe we can get another rant. 
<laughs> there's, there's a couple of things I can rant about, you know. There was Trevor St. Baker on ABC this morning, sort of talking crap about bloody coal and and and, and um and the share of wind and solar power, was and um, oh god, all sorts of garbage. I mean, we've caught him out before in it, but there he is. He's on ABC Radio in the morning, and um and and the presenters just sort of saying, oh yes, good, yeah, fine. And you're just going, no, 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 don't let them say that. And there was this woman on um on uh, ABC The Drum yesterday. Oh, yeah. um, Fiona Scott, I think, or Fiona, someone, former M- MP, wants to run again, was just talking about how renewables are really unreliable because they only work 20% of the time and you're just going, what Wake the up. hell, you know? Anyway, but look, um, I'm not going to run for another um, rant like that. Um, Port Macquarie, <laughs> Bo- we were at Port Macquarie. Bottle it up, mate. Bottle, bottle it up. up. <laughs> bottle up. I'll take it out. I'll, I'll take it down to the beach tomorrow and let it out in the sand. Um... <laughs> In, Port in Macquarie. The, yes. Port Macquarie. No, that was a, that was a great thing. We we got together there. Um, the guys at the Port Macquarie, the Hastings Sustainability Group. Um, what's their official name, Nigel? But they put yeah, on Port quite Macquarie, a nice Hastings conference. Eh? Sustainability. Yeah. 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 And um, you were there and speaking, and I was there and speaking, and we were speaking together. Actually, <laughs> we had a great time, didn't we? We had a great time. Really, yeah, we had, lovely. We, we did about four different presentations, and um, <laughs> yeah, it was fantastic. And um, it was great to see a lot of interest and a lot of curiosity and a lot of questions coming from the audience. Um, um, about um, you know about solar and about good solar and about um, crap solar and about battery storage and a whole bunch of other things. Yep, real appetite to get um, to get up and running there and and good on them. First step on the moon, as uh, as the gardening guru Costa said in his open in his, his in his raz up speech for all the volunteers. And um, you know it's always great when you see someone take a leap. And uh, that was the first time that was a, that event was held, and the numbers were down a little bit, but. Um, someone's got to take the first step and, and good on everyone up there at Port Macquarie for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. I thought the numbers weren't too bad, actually. And I've got to say that Costa does make a very good speech for a man wearing gumboots. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's... Um, it was great. It was great. It's pretty good. Yeah. Now, um, Solar Victoria, what's happening? All right, so this is really a good news story that's coming out. It's got a, it's got a tough edge to it, but it is a great story. Facebook and and social media has been uh, swamped this last week or so with stories from solar installers, uh, solar installers, talking about how, as a result of the the rebate program that's happening in Victoria at the moment, uh, Solar Victoria have pushed WorkSafe hard, and WorkSafe are out and about in their trucks checking solar jobs. Um, the way the scheme is set up, they have the ability to do that because they know when the install is scheduled to happen and they're in their trucks and they're getting around and they're auditing people and their big focus is on working at heights. And um, they have already um, uh, fined a couple of guys for not using appropriate uh, fall protection um, systems or, or not having their um, their, uh, their, their swings I think harnesses in is the technical Harnesses is the technical word? Well, there's harnesses is one solution. And harnesses are not always adequate. Um, oh, sometimes okay. you need railings or other other solutions. So that's what they're looking for: is that these guys are thinking hard and not just choosing anything, but actually doing the right thing and sticking to the rules. These are not a new. These are not new rules either. What's happening is they're saying we're not going to let you go get away with risking people's lives, and that is really really important. There were two. Um, very sadly, two solar installers killed last year as a result of working at heights incidents, and they are adamant that they don't want to let it happen again. And they're changing the industry. And I've been talking to installers down there who are saying, "Well, we've got to add a little bit of extra money to our quote now to make sure we're compliant." 
client, but you know what? We should have really been doing this before. So now we're being forced to, and everyone's being forced to, we can do it um, because everyone's on an even playing ground. You can't get away without doing it now if you want to get those rebate systems installed. So it's a wonderful success story of how the rebate schemes can actually enforce safety in a way that hasn't been done before. And talking with a couple of people involved in the in the industry associations and um the, the sort of regulation side of the industry, they're saying the great thing is that with New South Wales and Queensland watching very closely what's happening in Victoria, it is inevitable that those that, that WorkSafe New South Wales and WorkSafe Queensland are going to be in their cars, zooming around, looking at jobs in other states very, very soon and ramping up the attention to this issue. So let's let's all just get on board. Let's make these installs safer. Keep your workers safe. Keep your employees safe. Keep your customers safe and do everything that you possibly can around safety. Absolutely, and um, let's hope that the New South Wales government does actually follow up on that, um, whichever, whichever party is in government, because both major parties mm. do have some sort of incentive schemes um, for rooftop solar, and I think by the time we get to the election in two weeks' time, for battery storage as well. Yeah, we'll so, the, next um, pod, the next podcast, Giles, we'll, we'll have the outcome on that. Well, we know. Almost. What's that? Almost. Two weeks. Almost. No, we might Almost. just we, we might be forced into bold projections or something like that. Um, but let's. Um, um, you're yeah, not quite. Rant. I don't think. Don't know. Oh no, no 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 no! We will. It will definitely. No, it would have happened. It would have happened. There you go. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Excellent. Well, we've got now, um, for the next time then. Indeed. Now, crap solar. Um, mm. An approved retailer suspended for a severe breach. What's yep. what's going on? Yep. So um, Clean Energy Council has its approved retailer program. It's different from the accredited installer program. An approved retailer is the the retail company. They need to, if they want to be compliant and signed up as an approved retailer, they need to agree to a mandatory code of conduct, which is all around retail behavior. Nothing to do with the installs or not, very little to do with that. It's all about um, consumer protection and it's all about good um, uh, good behaviour when it comes to sales techniques and, and, and documentation and everything else. This company had suffered a breach before. This was their second breach that they were called on and this time they were suspended for what was what was termed a severe breach. Um, uh, it related to documentation that wasn't provided to the customer. Um, there was no detail for privacy reasons. They keep it fairly tight um, as to what the actual breach was. But um, having been involved in the approved retailer program before, I can tell you that documentation that is compliant with um, tra- the the Australian consumer law and the requirements of the approved retailer program is essential and it's not that hard to do. And these guys couldn't do that, so they've been booted out of the program and so they should be. Great work by the CEC. Not easy legal ground, I must say. It is very, very difficult because you're affecting people's business opportunities. Um, and so it is a difficult um, decision legally um, to enforce, but terrific work by the CEC. Good for them. No, that's um, that, that, that's good to hear. Yeah. Um, now, look, um, so solid supply chain and mm. the need for um, if you buy cheap um, and there is no solid supply chain, you're going to get caught out. That's right. That's right. And this is a story that we're starting to see emerge more and more and more, particularly since a few years have passed. A lot of people thought it was very easy to just buy direct out of China, buy some cheap panels from a no-name brand. They were cheap. They looked like any other solar panel. Buy some cheap panels, get them out in the market. And of course, what happens is a few years down the track... Um, something goes wrong and you go, well, where do I get warranty support for my customer now? 
And of course, that's almost impossible when you're dealing with either someone who's left Australia and doesn't even have representation here anymore, or, or is indeed back in China, and now you're fighting to get warranty support on a you know, two or three kilowatt system that you installed on the roof, you can guess how difficult that gets. So it's a great lesson in why if you buy cheap without a solid supply chain, i.e., you know, a, a, a solid, um, a well-established professional importer or wholesaler who is taking all that risk and knows what it's about and can support you, or a, indeed, you know, one of the Chinese companies who's got representation in Australia and has maintained an office and staff here and does have a process for supporting you. If you skip all those things and just buy cheap, you're going to end up having no warranty support, even though the company might still exist in China. And that's happening more and more and more. So it's a real lesson in getting a solid supply chain and, and you know, um, getting what you pay for, really. And of course, if you're interested in to how to avoid um, crap solar, um, you've got your, um, your your Nigel's top ten tips, and yeah. um, I think we should actually publish this on our website. I think you should too. I sent it to you <laughs> to do that because I think I, it would be I'm helpful. Busy, Nigel. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, you prompted me when we were talking about this up at uh, Port Macquarie, actually, and a lot of people are saying, you know, what are the to- what are the tips? How do you how do you you know how do you help someone buy well and uh, avoid these traps and everything else and it prompted me to revise them and I, I did a presentation for the Alternative Technology Association the other night uh, and with um, uh, with Renew Economy and Solar Insiders in mind I, um, I've pu- I'll publish that list uh, to you Giles and you can do what you like with it and put it up but uh, it's it, it really made me think hard about what are those top 10 things so um, they're out there for consumers uh, as soon as you get them up on your website mate. Good stuff, good stuff. Now, look, before we flip to another subject, um, earlier on today I talked to Warwick Johnson from SunWiz and uh, PV Cell, one of the sponsors of this podcast. And, uh, of course, the other sponsor is Solar Analytics, and we thank both of you for sponsoring this podcast. But um, I wanted to talk to Warwick because the Clean Energy Regulator last week, um, or earlier this week, sorry, actually came out with its sort of annual forecast and um, it was reasonably significant um, just for the um, for the number of certificates. Um, well, this is an important thing for all the, all the installers and for the industry and for the traders in the certificates. So anyway, I had to talk to Warwick about this and what it all means um, and about a few other things. So let's have a listen to uh, Warwick Johnson from Sunwiz. Warwick Johnson from Sunwiz, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, my pleasure, Giles. Good to be back. And once again, I should say thank you very much for the efforts of SunWiz and PVCell for being a uh, long-term sponsor of the Solar Insiders podcast. Um, Without your help, we couldn't do this. But look, the reason why we're having you on today is because there's been a reasonably significant announcement by the Clean Energy Regulator. Now, this is part of their sort of yearly sort of, you know, set pieces. Um, It's about the STC target for 2019. Tell us, what did they announce and why is that significant? Look, essentially the Clean Energy Regulator announced that there'd be a significant increase in the uh, amount of STCs that will be required to be surrendered by liable entities uh, at the end of next year. And uh, that was always expected in some sense because uh, we were so far over target in terms of how many STCs were created in 2018 versus expectations at the start of the year. And so this is largely just a matter of soaking up those STCs uh, that were created in in excess for last year. But uh, in amongst that, there's some interesting forecasts for um, what uh, the various modelling shows for uh, how much PV will go in in 2019. 
So what do they tell them? So they've just basically packed up that, uh, picked up that excess and sort of slapped it onto this year's target. But um, what does the sort of the modelling for, for 2019 tell us? And, um, and, and is it already out of date given the, um, the rapid uptake we've had in the first two months of the year? Well, look, the, there were three uh, analysts that were chosen to forecast what would happen in 2019. And in terms of uh, STC volume, effectively, uh, the average of them was to say equivalent STC volume, uh, though, of course, with slightly reducing number of STCs per kilowatt of installation, uh, the average was actually about a 9% increase in capacity installed in 2019 um, over 2018 volumes. But uh, if you look at one of the more interesting analysts' um, uh, projections, and that's green energy market, they're, they're generally closest to the mark. They're actually predicting 19% growth in volume and um, uh, PV by megawatts. And so for 2019, they're looking at uh, STC uh, market volumes of uh, 1.9 gigawatts uh, compared to about 1.6 uh, for 2018. So, look, uh, they're predicting a significant growth. That's 19% growth by volume. Um, and if you, it's interesting to see uh, where that plays out compared to the volumes that have gone in at the start of the year. So have, um, has the clean energy regulator taken, to what extent have they taken those forecasts on board and built in, built in an expectation of an increasing market in 2019? Effectively, they've taken the average of the analysts' uh, reports and so uh, built into the uh, STC target is effectively an assumption of about 10% growth in um, volume by megawatts um, or equivalently about 0% growth in volume by STCs uh, after you uh, adjust for the um, uh, lag from, from last year and uh, soaking up that excess. Okay then, so if in fact green energy markets is right and um, it's a 20% increase in capacity that we see in the end, then that ex um, then then the excess will actually be stuck onto next year's um, STC target, presumably. Yeah, that's right. That's how it happens each year. Uh, already though, in, in January and February, uh, we are 44% of where we were at the same time last year. Now, that's not 44% of uh, ahead of where we expect to get to by the end of um, 2019 necessarily, um, but it's just showing you that the, the market's off to a, a great start. It's off to a faster start than what we saw in uh, 2018, and uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how things play out over the, the year ahead, uh, whether we'll be, again, in excess of um, expectations or, or behind. What do you reckon is going to happen? I mean, and, and, and what are the causes of this sort of sudden surge in January and February? I mean, I know with talking with um, Nigel over the last couple of um, podcast series, um, not many people had very many holidays in January. Uh, look, if you just if you have a chat with anyone in the industry, uh, you, you'll hear that um, yeah, there was very little rest for the wicked. Um, everyone usually had a quiet January in previous years, and and this uh, this January just going gangbusters, picking up where they left off. Of course, there was a, a, a rush to the finish line in 2018, especially for commercial installations to try and take advantage of the slightly higher STC uh, quantity per um, kilowatt installed, but um, yeah, it doesn't seem to have shown much reprieve in the start of 2019, except to say we have seen a, um, a more of a shift towards residential system focuses uh, for, the, for the start of the year. Um, again, we'll probably see that swing back towards commercial through the, the, the middle of the year. Yeah, we'd, we'd fully expect both commercial and residential to, to grow significantly, wouldn't we? 
Yes, yeah, and I expect that um, again, commercial probably so uh, strong growth, and and residential it will probably vary uh, quite a bit by uh, market. For example, Victoria we expect to have um, a significant uh, year of growth, um, uh, whereas in in Western Australia perhaps it'll be more of a tailing off. So we should probably allow you to give a bit of a plug to PV Cell then. I mean, with all this growth in the industry then, people obviously have the need of your products. Oh, look, absolutely. Thanks, Giles. And uh, you know, it's been interesting seeing this residential uh, renaissance, if you like. Uh, historically, PV Cell has been focused on commercial and really captured that commercial uh, market for uh, solar proposals. But uh, we've turned our attention now to residential. We've got a great option there and um, some interesting new value propositions where people can pay as you go, uh, you know, paying per job, etc. All about to be released at the um, upcoming trade show, um, uh, all with um, free uh, HD imagery. It's um, it's an exciting time, and um, we're we're thrilled to be growing as as fast as we are. So, what basically does it do? Is it sort of like a? Um, it, it's not a quote finder, is it? Is it is is it a? Um, is is it a roof finder? What, what what exactly is it? Well, look, companies can do uh, can start off just doing a roof layout to get a feel for how big uh, an array they can fit on on top of a roof and getting the uh, performance estimate that they need to for their Clean Energy Council accreditation uh, and then they can just stop there if they want and, and put that into their proposal um, or they can go through and do financial and analysis where they you know, enter electricity prices and consumption profiles and um, get shown uh, what essentially what everyone wants to know is how quick is this going to pay for itself uh, and uh, very accurately uh, how fast uh, will um, how far ahead will I be after the end of the system lifetime wrap that into a proposal that um, is very compelling and which not only sells the solar system but sells the uh, company that's uh, that's using our software as well as being the best company to, to choose so it's a software that can help installers inform consumers about the, the savings that they will make exactly and uh, essentially help them sell um, faster at a, at a higher price and, and therefore be making more money on their bottom line as well. Oh, good for you. Well, look, okay. And um, people can hear you speak at, presumably at the um, at the Smart Energy Council conference, is that right, um, in, in early April? That's right. We've got um, a presentation or, or two there. Uh, we'll also, of course, be exhibiting and we welcome you to come past and, uh, and say good day. Absolutely. And uh, Solar Insiders will be there and looking forward to selling our second and possibly even our third T-shirt. So um, that should be fun as well. So. <laughs> no, I'll put it in the um, <laughs> Thanks, Warwick. Look, uh, Warwick from Sunwiz, thanks very much for joining in the, the, uh, the Solar Insiders podcast um, this week. Great to speak with you, Giles. And uh, here's to a great year. So that was Warwick Johnson from Sunwiz and, of course, um, PV Cell. Um, so um, any installers, retailers out there that um, that don't know about that product, maybe get along to the Smart Energy Conference and find out more about it. Um, Nigel, the other good thing that came out of the Clean Energy Regulators um, announcement was there was no tinkering with prices. Um, there was some concern that maybe the clearinghouse price might be reduced because there's been a... a um, a, a few calls around to sort of scrap the, the scheme completely and maybe they thought they could just lower the cost slightly. But um, despite what you read from the Murdoch media, the um, the cost of consumers is only about 30-something dollars a, a year. So even with the big increase in the SDC target this year, it will still probably be in the $30 or you know, maybe a maximum $40 uh, for a, um, a year um, on bills and, um, and probably delivering um, a lot more than that in benefits. So... Um, so there you go. Yeah, yeah, it's it's you know it's funny the STC component of the um, renewable energy target has been going for years and years and years. It's stable, 
It's self-adjusting. Um, it just works. It costs very little. It is it is the unsung hero of the whole uh, renewable energy and climate debate in Australia because it just bloody works, Charles. It's a wonderful thing. I'm so glad they haven't messed with it too much, despite well, the, despite that's, the that's, attempts. Right? Yeah. Well, that's what you get with some with stable policy settings. You run exactly. in industry. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Now, mate. Um, as is our want, um, we sort of go off into um, EV land um, now, and, and and particularly your particular interest, um, electric motorbikes. What's yeah. the news? Oh, okay. I'm going to try and stay calm um, because there's so much to talk about. And I'm going to keep it really, really brief. But in case you've missed all the blog posts and everything else on social media, and I'd, I'd forewarned this, but Zero finally released their new bike. It's called the uh, SRF. Um, it is a game-changing bike. It is just phenomenal. Um, it's um, uh, connected uh, in all sorts of ways that we've never seen before, including a cellular connection, which allows all sorts of amazing things to take place and all sorts of amazing adjustability. Um, the, um, the power is now... Uh, the power that it delivers is an equivalent to a 2019 model uh, 1000cc Ducati and the torque is equivalent to a 2000cc Harley. That's enough for pretty much everybody. Um, so it's insanely powerful. Its top speed is higher. Its range and price have stayed about the same, which is a consequence of, um, of more charging capacity, which is great. You can charge it faster. All new design. Um, really, really nice looking bike, pretty universally acclaimed. And every all the test riders have just been raving about the fact that this is really, really a game-changing bike. Um, so that's fantastic. And what's even better about it is, is, is it lays the bar down now for Harley, who are, are imminently are, are going to announce more details of their bike. And interestingly, some of their specs have already started creeping up towards where they where the zero already is and we're only a couple of weeks away from the announcement that everyone's waiting for on the lightning um, which is another american made bike so that's cool um, lots of info on a blog post i wrote for you giles which is up on the driven i think on the zero srf if you want to read that indeed indeed mm. yep 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 mm. yep um uh, go on no, I was just going to say, I didn't know when to sort of point this out, but um, um, the writer for the, um, one of the main writers for The Driven, uh, Bridie Schmidt, um, she was invited by ABB to go to Hong Kong to um, witness the um, the Formula E um, oh. car race. In fact, um, look, I was hoping to go Goodness. myself, but um, yeah. I, I, I'd already booked a way, man, hadn't I? And, I and first like up a- in the moon. I quite like ABB. <laughs> I would have gone. You would have gone. You would have gone. Oh, dear. oh mate, oh, those, lucky those, those, those things got four wheels. That's, that's, that's too, too many for you. Um, <laughs> but anyway, look, so she's actually sort of written a couple of really interesting reports um, from there. So um, if anyone's oh, interested, um, sort of um, hop onto the Driven website and um, check them out. Um mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, no, so what else is happening? Um, so, yeah, a couple of quick ones, then I'll get into the most fun one for the week. But um, r- listeners might remember I mentioned Alta Motorcycles. They're another electric motorcycle company who are doing really well in the sort of supercross class, if you like, building really high-end dirt bikes, but 100% electric, uh, great reviews, uh, sold um, several thousand bikes in, in their first year of release, uh, mostly in the US last year. Sadly went under, which we've talked about before. Um, but interestingly, the assets of Alta Motorcycles were purchased by Bombardier recently. Bombardier make a whole range of different motorcycles and snowmobiles and various other um, sort of um, uh, um, 
you know, bikes and stuff. Um, Bombardier are a very, very big company. So the fact that they, but no electric uh, bikes or, or, or other products in their range. So the fact that they've purchased the IP of Alta is really interesting because it's another example of a big internal combustion engine company starting to get move to recognize they're going to have to be in this space. So that's really cool. Another example of that was from Triumph Motorcycles. Triumph are a well-known English brand who've been making motorcycles forever, build beautiful, beautiful bikes, and they've been surveying their owners about electric motorcycles and asking them, should they build electric motorcycles? If they should, what what features should they have? And would you buy one? And do you want us to build one? So Triumph are looking at it now. Um, I, well, I remember the old Triumph Bonneville. Was my, uh, one of my older brothers had a Triumph Bonneville. It's a beautiful looking machine. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Gorgeous, yeah, yes. yeah. Mate of mine's got got four Triumphs, and I've ridden all of them. And yeah, I've ridden all of them. They're they're wonderful machines, especially the later model ones. Not so much the early ones; they're full of class. But the late model ones are, are just as classy, but uh, a bit more reliable, a little bit less oil on the boots. Um, mm, had some nice acceleration too. I fell off the back of one. If you if in Canberra, <laughs> I can if you're in Canberra, I can show you the mark on the ground. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> There's a, there's a whole episode in that story, I suspect, Josh. But, I suspect not. <laughs> um, the other thing I learned, which was fascinating, I was down at SEA in Victoria the other week, and I, and I forgot to bit of, give a plug to, to Stu, who I met down there. He's a, he's a solar guy who's been around forever, and I said, oh, how's it going? What have you been doing? He said, oh, I've been really busy. I'm going to race my electric motorcycle on um, Lake Eyre. Um, which, of course, you know, cue long-winded conversation off the topic of solar about electric motorcycles. Um, so uh, I haven't heard from Stu. Stu, I hope you went really, really well. I hope the weather was kind to you. Lake Salt Lake, uh, Lake Racing is a very tricky business. It depends on a whole lot of factors, and I don't know whether they got out onto the salt this year or not. I, I jumped on the website and couldn't see, but um, he had an amazing bike that uh, was uh, w- that I'll do a full story on and, and, and see if I can get to the bottom of it um so you know there's guys out there you know hand building this stuff all over the joint and then you know to close off the story uh, the best story that i heard all this week was about um uh, was around the sound of uh, electric vehicles in general. And it was a, it's a conversation. I took my electric bike up to Port Macquarie and put it on display with the Nissan Leafs and the Teslas and an autonomous car and a bunch of other electric vehicles there. And lots of people came up and talked to me about my Zero. And, and one of the most common questions I get from people um, is, you know, what about the sound? Surely you miss the sound, you know? It's all about the sound. And when you hear a big V8 or a big V-twin or, you know, don't you miss that? Doesn't that spoil it for you? And I have to go through this conversation about how it doesn't actually spoil it for me because I get all the benefits, all the torque, all the acceleration, all the excitement. Uh, and, and when you realise you can get that without the sound, you realise the sound's just just a consequence of everything else that's going on, but you can still have just as much fun without it. However, the, uh, the electric vehicle guys are very cognizant of people's attitudes towards the sound of vehicles and how evocative and how emotive and emotional the connection is for humans. And how bloody polluting it is too. And how polluting it is. Yeah, there's good sides and bad sides, right? Um, So what was fascinating to me was to hear that AMG has been working very hard to develop um, uh, artificial sounds for its electric cars. And blow me down if they aren't working with with the punk band Linkin Park or rock punk band Linkin Park to develop a sound for electric cars. And to, and to quote them, they said, 
There is no E sound. It has to be invented. The sound transports the emotions of a vehicle. It gives feedback about the potency and capability of the car. Um, so, you know, they've chosen Lincoln Park. We were all joking that they, you know, perhaps could have chosen Prodigy, but ruled it out because Fire, <laughs> Firestarter didn't seem like such a good name for a for an EV vehicle sound. So, um, uh, but fascinating to see that, you know, we're moving into this space now. We're actually using punk bands to develop the sounds of electric cars because the sound doesn't exist. So we're right on the edge here. It's exciting. Mm, I think, yeah, some people might be wanting an orchestra instead, but um, let's see how we go and where we end up with that. That's Nigel, right. great to talk uh, once again. And look, once you again, too, thanks to our sponsors, Solar Analytics and uh, SunWiz and PV Cell. And, uh, mate, we'll be um, back in a fortnight. Post-election. Um, post-election. Post-election yeah. New South Can't Wales. Um, that's a very New South Wales-centric um, conversation there, but um, all good. Thanks very much, mate. Talk soon. Look forward to it. Solar Insiders was brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, get empowered and make the most of your home energy. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, the creators of PV Cell software, powerful technology for solar sales and design. With free high-definition rooftop imagery in every PV Cell plan, retailers can stay ahead of the competition. Visit sunwiz.com.au, Australia's leading solar software.